Open up to John chapter 10. For some of you, John chapter 10 is a very, very familiar passage. Um, the, uh, the sheep, the shepherd imagery is one that you're well aware of, well acquainted with. And, um, so what I want to do for us this morning is, um, take a look at really the first six verses. And, you know, we, our pattern has, or my pattern has, Brother Isaacs was as well, to take a book and to preach through it. And there is a, a tremendous advantage to doing that. And um, uh, probably the biggest advantage is, is that you actually get to see what the text actually means. Now, here's what I mean by that, as you know, clear of a statement as that would be. Well, um, when you think about John chapter 10, if you think about a warm, encouraging chapter about a sheep and his shepherd, you don't have it right. John chapter 10 is a scathing rebuke on the leaders and shepherds of Israel that later comes in with an Old Testament promise fulfilled in the shepherd of Israel, Jesus Christ. And so as we move into that, it's um, I think it's helpful if we back up a little bit and start reading in John chapter 9, verse 39, because I think this really does capture um, the context of, of John 10. I'll just remind you, you know this, but I'll just remind you that when this text was written, it was not written with chapters and verses. That was done later on. I'm glad it was done. It's helpful. You were able to find John chapter 10 in a matter of seconds. It would have been very hard without them. That being said, sometimes we can use um, uh, chapter breaks um, in a way that uh, is less than helpful as it relates to understanding a context. So, John chapter 9, verse 39, Jesus is um, here making a declaration, making a statement. Jesus said, verse 39 of chapter 9, for judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now who is Jesus saying this to? The Pharisees. He that entereth not by the door under the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. 
So I want to spend a little bit of time just setting up the, the, the chapter a little more before we get into it. But the title of the message uh, this morning is um, Shepherds, Flocks, and Robbers. Shepherds, Flocks, and Robbers. Now, I've already said this, but there are no chapter divisions in the original text. And so the broader context of John chapter 10 is John 7, 8, and 9. Now, we've already looked at the immediate context, which is um, John 9, 39, where Jesus says, I've come for a judgment or a condemnation. You remember what it was. That those who do not see are able to see, and those who think they can see are made blind. Then he gives his parable and it says, they didn't understand what he was saying. Okay, so it's, uh, it's this judgment that's played out or that is playing out. Now, it's worth noting that the, the day that begins in John chapter 8, the 24-hour period that begins in John chapter 8, does not end until John 10.21. So from John 8 all the way to John 10.21 is the same day. These things are happening at the same time. And so let me give you a, a bullet point overview of what this day looks like. Um, now, John 7 is the day before that. So this is, this is all happening in conjunction, but just all in the same day. The woman that's taken in adultery is brought to Jesus in 8, um, John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus deals with that. John 8, 12, Jesus, uh, gives this I am statement. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And then there's this long, contentious conversation with the Pharisees that ends with the Pharisees wanting to stone him in John 8, 59. Now, after that, we move into John 9. Jesus heals the blind man. The Pharisees start to interrogate the people. Last time we said this was like this was more of a of a media spin, like a disinformation type interrogation. Uh, it couldn't be Jesus. Uh, there's no way it could be Jesus, and it was just simply because they didn't want it to be Jesus. The Pharisees cast the man who was formerly blind out of the synagogue. Jesus brings him to a full conversion. Jesus exposes and condemns the Pharisees as counterfeits. And then from 10.21 to 10.22, there's about a three-month period that takes place. Okay. So a little bit about the text as we get into John 10. If we understand this parable in light of um, the context, Jesus is using Old Testament language and imagery to condemn the Pharisees and to identify himself as Israel's long-awaited shepherd. Now that's that's one thing that we've tried to reinforce as we go through John. John is not making up, Jesus is not making up new themes and new images as he works his way through, um, or as John is recording what he says here in, in the book of John. So this idea of a shepherd is not just something that he pulled out of thin air. 
Jesus is really filling the role of the Old Testament prophet who is coming and condemning Israel yet again. It's, uh, it's also helpful to note that in John chapter 10, as Jesus is speaking in parables, He's identifying, identifying Himself with different images at different times. So, for example, in um, verses 1 through 6, Jesus is the shepherd who enters into the door and leads his flock out. In verses 7 through 9, I'm sorry, 7 through 10, Jesus is the door that his sheep must enter in through to be saved. And then in verses 11 through 21, Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep and he brings them in. Okay. So as you're reading John chapter 10, you, uh, you should not read and take all of this imagery as if, um, what Jesus is saying is fixed to whatever the, um, the parable is or the imagery is. It's, it's obvious as he interacts with it that he's not staying consistent as far as what represents what. It's also helpful to note that in this chapter, Jesus uses the same image to illustrate different realities. So the reason I'm saying all of this, this is just a... Um, a, a more of a developed way to say you got to read the text within the context. Sometimes we get a picture in our mind and we can read and miss the obvious because we're not paying attention. So sometimes Jesus uses a um, an image and He does it in different ways. So, for instance, the door. Jesus talks about the door into the sheepfold or the sheep pen several times in this chapter. Well, in John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus says He is the door. Okay, That's led some people to understand John 1 through 6 in the same way. But if you pay attention, the doors in each of those lead to different places. So in John 10, 1 through 3, the shepherd goes into the door in order to lead his sheep out of the holding pen. In John 9, the sheep go through the door in order to be saved. So again, door is the same. Okay, but what's happening and, and, and what's uh, going on with the door is, is different. Now it's also helpful, and these are, this is just one more way to, to, to think about this and to think about it rightly and in context is that this parable that Jesus gives of the sheep and the shepherd and so forth and so on seems to be a way of Jesus really just reframing the events of John chapter 9. Seems to be a way of Jesus reframing the events of John chapter 9. So we could say that this is the way that the light is shining into the darkness. I'll give you an example of that. The Pharisees saw themselves as the faithful shepherds of Israel and really the keepers of the fold. I mean, who was it that 
that was able to cast people out of the synagogue? Why was it that the man who was born blind, why was it that he couldn't cast the Pharisees out? Because he didn't have the authority to do so. Even though he was right. The Pharisees were the ones who were seen as the shepherds, the keepers of Israel. When they spoke, the people, if we take the imagery, the sheep, they were to listen and follow. That's the way it worked. That's why they were so quick to interrogate, intimidate, and try to manipulate the people in John chapter 9 to spin the story to where Jesus was not actually the one who healed the blind man. And then when an individual did not follow, they were cast out. They were done away with. And so in John chapter 9, the Pharisees would have seen that as just another another day's work. I mean, they're just keeping order in the house of God. They're keeping everybody straight and in line. They're making an example out of this man who was born blind, who was given his sight, but who would not fall in line with them. Make an example out of him, and in their minds, it was for the betterment of the people so that they understood and realized who was really in charge. Now, when Jesus comes in and John chapter 10 and gives this parable as a condemnation or a judgment, he's essentially saying to the Pharisees, you've got it all wrong. You're not the shepherds of Israel. You're the thieves and robbers here. Essentially what Jesus is saying is you can try all the intimidation and manipulation tactics you want to try, but the reason that the people follow me rather than you is because I'm the true shepherd of Israel and my people hear my voice. And then Jesus says, You may think you just kicked a man out of the synagogue. But the truth is, I just took a man out of the broad way and led him into the path of life. He's reframing. Now he's doing it with this shepherd imagery. But what he says relates to John chapter 9 and then in general relates to the way that the good shepherd relates to his people. So let's go to the text. We're finished with a preliminary setup of the chapter. Um, again, this is more of a scathing rebuke than it is um, a, uh, a feel-good story. So number one, John chapter um, 10, as it begins, 1 through 6, we have a judgment on Israel's shepherds. A judgment on Israel's shepherds. Now, I said this before, but I'll say it again. Jesus is taking up the role of an Old Testament prophet here, and He's bringing in a familiar theme of condemnation found throughout the major and minor prophets. Now, the prophets were... um, I mean, if you want to think about them this way, it can be helpful. The prophets were God's lawyers, as it were. The prophets were sent to the people to say, you've broken covenant with God. 
You have broken the law. You have violated, really, we could just condense it all down to, to, to what's laid out for us there in Deuteronomy. You're a violator and you need to repent. You need to turn. Condemnation is hanging over your head. And Jesus is coming to the Pharisees saying the same thing. Now, they weren't used to that sort of thing, were they? You ever wonder why they got so mad and wanted to kill Jesus so quick? That was just a way of them saying, you don't talk to me that way. Nobody talks to me that way. Do you not know who you're speaking to? Jesus comes and takes that Old Testament role. Look in Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Before we read that, let me just add one more layer of context here. You know, the Pharisees did not actually come into existence until after the people came back from Babylonian captivity. And their sole purpose when they started was, we are not doing this again. We are not going back into captivity. And so we are going to um, be strict observers of the law of God. And we're going to make sure that everybody else in this nation are strict observers of the law of God because we aren't going back into the kind of judgment we just came out of. Now, the reason that I say that is because the Pharisees took up this role of Israel's shepherds, leaders. And if you were to ask them what they if anything else, what they did not want to be. They did not want to be the leaders who failed the nation and led them back into captivity again. Now, can you guess who it is Jesus is comparing them to as He's bringing in a judgment? The leaders that failed the nation and brought them into captivity. Now look in Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah 23, verses 1 and 2. Woe be unto the pastors or shepherds that that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them, behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. So Jeremiah comes and he's pronouncing this judgment on the pastors, the shepherds of Israel. That's just the the leaders. It could have been the kings. It could have been the false prophets. It's just the leaders, those who were supposed to be caring for the people, were not. Now, the description is a little more vivid when you get to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. Verses 
And for time's sake, we're really going to limit our Old Testament references to Jeremiah and Ezekiel, but you could go to Zechariah and you could see that there are condemnations upon the shepherds there. Um, you could go throughout the major and minor prophets and see this is a repeated theme. The shepherds of Israel are condemned. They are the ones who are charged with leading Israel into sin. They are the ones who have neglected their duty to care for the sheep. They are the ones, God says, who have scattered the sheep. And when you get into the New Testament and you see Jesus confronting the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll miss it if you don't connect the theme from the Old Testament. But He's essentially doing what every other prophet that God called to come and confront the nation did. And that is to confront the leaders who have not shepherded well. Now again, Ezekiel 34, starting in verse 1, this verses 1 through 10, so it's a little bit longer. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, ye clothe you with the wool, ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have not the strength, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought against that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. Now, let's just stop there for a second. You remember John chapter 9? The guy's born blind from birth. Um, well, you can back up. You remember John chapter 8? The woman is caught in adultery. Adultery. That's a two-person activity. She's the one who's drugged before Jesus because they were trying to entrap him. Um, Jesus says what He says, deals with that the way He deals with it, and they hate it. <clears throat> Jesus works back up His claims and they want to kill Him. He heals a man who was born blind and rather than the shepherds of Israel being happy about that or rejoicing in that, they, cruel, they cruelly uh, kick him out of the synagogue. Lazarus is raised from the dead. And rather than the shepherds of Israel, now we've left John 8 and 9, rather than the shepherds of Israel being amazed and rejoicing that this man brought Lazarus back from the dead, they said, we've got to figure out how to put him back in the grave. We've got to kill him. With cruelty... You ruled them. Verse 5, Ezekiel 34. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. Does that sound like familiar New Testament language to you? Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 36. Jesus looked out on the multitude and he had compassion on them because they were scattered and they were like sheep who didn't have a shepherd. It's a direct. Um, tie-in to the condemnation that Ezekiel gives to the shepherds of Israel in the, uh, in the Old Testament. 
They were scattered, verse 5, because there is no shepherd. They became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves, fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. A clear condemnation here. As, as Jesus begins um, His parable in John chapter 10, He's really just picking up where Ezekiel left off. Or maybe we could say it this way. He's really just lumping the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, into the same category of people that Ezekiel was condemning. And again, that's why I went back to kind of give a, a very brief overview of why the Pharisees uh, came into existence to begin with. They had become the very thing they were trying to avoid. Why is that? Well, this is not really a major point of the message. But it is because self-improvement that is not pursued by submission to God, will always lead to arrogance, failure, and ultimately destruction. Okay? We could say it this way. Self-improvement that is not built on the authority of Scripture will always lead to arrogance, which will lead to destruction. That's the Pharisees' problem. So, the parallel that Jesus draws between the Old Testament apostate shepherds of Israel and the Pharisees is clear and it is a condemnation. So, again, John chapter 9, verse 39, I have come for judgment. Jesus says, For judgment I am come into the world. They which see might, that see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. So he brings some condemnations here. Now, we're not, I don't think anyway we're going to have time to do this. We might be able to get to it this afternoon. But I hope as we're going through this, just as a side note, you can see the tremendous application that this passage has to pastors, to those who would be overseers over the flock of God and what God's heart is um, for pastors and really the job description for pastors. It's a serious, no wonder James said, not let not many be teachers. Okay? Now that's, a, that's an application of where we are. So Jesus is condemning the Pharisees here, the religious leaders, and He says three things about them. 
Number one, he says they are blind. They are blind. Now, it might be helpful here to go back and just give a a quick quick, uh, summary of the parable. There are thieves and robbers that climb over the gate to get into the sheepfold, but the true shepherd goes in, and when he goes in, he calls his sheep by name, they hear him, and he turns around and leads them out. So the goal is not to stay in the sheep pen in John 10, 1-6. The goal is that Jesus goes in and gets them out. Now by implication, the thieves and the robbers go in to keep them in. Now what is it that we're talking about here? Who is it? Who are the sheep that are in the sheep pen as we're thinking about this as a whole? We'll hit this again when we get down to the um, fulfillment of of an Old Testament promise. But the sheep who are in the sheep pen are the people of this world who are caught up in false religion, whatever that might be. Now by that, I don't necessarily just mean Everybody who doesn't claim to be an atheist. You realize everybody's religious. I mean, an atheist is religious. Um, For all you Excelsior folks that did the Giles Kirk thing, you know, what is culture? Well, it's just religion externalized. Right? That's all culture is. You take the the externalization of a people's religion, and that's what culture's all about. So Jesus is really talking about the sheepfold being the world, and what is he doing? He's going in and he's leading them out of the world, out of false religion, the bondage of false religion, the dangers of false religion. So what does he say about the Pharisees and the scribes? Number one, while they seem to be enlightened, while they seem to be authoritative, he clearly makes the condemnation in John 9.39, they are blind. They are the ones who think that they see clearer than anyone else. As a matter of fact, they see so clearly that they ought to be the ones to tell everybody else what to do, what to believe, how to behave, and how to go about living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Read your Bible if you want to, but if you really want to know what it means, you need to come to me and ask me. I'll be the one to tell you what this really means. So in other words... If you want to please the Lord, you got to go through me. Okay, Scripture might be helpful, but you're too dumb to figure out what it really means. So come to me, and in my enlightenment, I will help you out. They were maybe a guru, as it were. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. They really were the ones that thought they saw who were 
blind. In Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse uh, 10, and, and, and we, yeah, we'll intentionally leave off the other for now, but Matthew 15, 10, Jesus calls the multitude and He says to them, hear and understand. He's getting ready to explain something um, that He had just said to the Pharisees. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then the, then came his disciples and said to him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Now, in John chapter 10, he says they're the thieves and the robbers that are coming over the, the sheep pen into the fold. In Matthew chapter 15, he says they're the plants here that need to be uprooted. Leave them alone. They'll take care of themselves. They are the blind who are leading the blind and when the, line, when the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into the ditch. Now, I will say, if you want to make a little note, this is a very good passage to compare and contrast with what Brother Robert preached about a couple of Sunday afternoons ago um, about building your life on the rock, about hearing and doing as God's Word leads you. Why were they blind? Well, it wasn't because they didn't hear God's Word in the sense of it wasn't because they didn't know that God had things to say. Their blindness was manifest in the sense of they could read the Word, but they had no spiritual understanding at all. They were not interested in bringing themselves into conformity to the Word in reality. They were the blind leading the blind. That's the case with every false religion. That's, that's the case with um, all those who are bound and, and, and um, trapped in false religious systems. They're just the blind leading the blind. Now, sometimes people say, well, you know, we ought to be more tolerant. We ought to, there's, you know, we've got all these different uh, avenues, all these different roads that eventually lead to the same place. And Jesus says, no, that's not the case. I'm the way. If the sheep come through the door, then they enter into the good pastures. But when the blind lead the blind, they fall into the ditch and they're destroyed. Matthew 23, he would do the same thing. Matthew 23. This is another one of those chapters uh, in the New Testament where Jesus plays the role of the Old Testament prophet and He comes and gives a scathing rebuke to the religious leaders of the day. But in Matthew chapter 23, verse 16, 
He says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whatsoever, and whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. You fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies it? And he goes on and gives a few more illustrations about this, but he says, you're, you're blind. Woe to you, blind gods. Why? Because they put an emphasis of importance, um, or maybe I should say it this way, their emphasis of importance was upside down. They said, you know, if you swear by the temple, that's not that big a deal. But if you swear by the gold in the temple, you better watch yourself. Then it becomes a big deal. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? What's more important or what's the bigger deal? The, the temple that actually sanctifies the gold? That is, it's the fact that the gold is in the temple that makes it special or sets it apart from just normal Money. He's saying, you're blind. You don't understand what you're saying. He goes on and gives another example, the altar or the gift on the altar. Well, if you swear by the altar, no big deal, but you better not swear by the gift on the altar. Okay, where did they come up with that? Well, here's really the point he's getting at. They just came up with it. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that. There's nothing that would even hint at this sort of thing. But the Pharisees and the scribes came up with it. They laid it out and uh, required full obedience in an area that was not based on God's authoritative word. And Jesus' condemnation is, you blind fools. Woe to you. Okay. Now, remember I said earlier, and this is a passage that not only applies to the Old Testament shepherds of Israel or the New Testament Pharisees, but it also applies to, or at least it has application for New Testament pastors. You know, pastors better be very careful about what they try to present as authoritative. We don't have the liberty to take God's flock and conform them to our image. You know, there are times where people wish I would say more about things and get a little more specific in areas that the Bible just does not address and is not specific about Sometimes people even have the idea, man, we've really gotten lax. Well, I'm not saying that as a culture we're not lax. I'm not even saying that there are times that as members we've gotten lax. I will say this. I'm very aware, based on Scripture, it is tremendously offensive to God 
for me to overdefine his word and present it to you as authoritative just because it makes a more comfortable environment for the preferences of the people. That's where the Pharisees were. And God hated it. That's just a side note. They were blind. Blind. Not faithful. Blind. Secondly, they were counterfeit. They were counterfeit. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 1. Again, remember the you here. Verily, verily, I say unto you. He's speaking to the Pharisees. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So they are counterfeit. He doesn't enter in through the door, but he climbs up some other way. Why is that? Well, you see, they package themselves as shepherds. But Jesus says what's really going on here is that you have the facade of a shepherd and you're going in and doing the work of a thief and a robber. There's a reason why the porter doesn't open the gate for these men, and it's because they're not the shepherd. So they're, they're counterfeits. They present themselves as something that they're not. Jesus would, again, pick up on this in Matthew chapter 7. If you go back there, Matthew chapter 7. In verse 15, Matthew 7, verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So again, they present themselves to be a sheep, but inwardly, the part you can't see is that they are ravening wolves. They, they want to devour the flock. How will you know? Well, he says, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out devils and in your name many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, this passage is often applied to just individuals, and there is an application there. But in context, this passage is again talking about false prophets, talking about the shepherds of Israel. He's referring to the Pharisees, those who um, outwardly looked like they were the faithful shepherds, but inwardly 
They were ravening wolves. They were seeking to devour the flock. They were the ones who would come to the Lord in the last day and say, did we not prophesy and do these miracles and, and, and do these works? And, and God says, I never knew you. Why didn't he know them? Because they were counterfeits. There were thieves who went up the gate and down into the flock. They did not and were not God's sheep or God's people. He talks about this also in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Verses 6 through 9. This is when Jesus' disciples were uh, picking grain on um, the Sabbath, and, and they get, I'm sorry, they're, they're eating bread with defiled hands. And uh, the, the Pharisees come and bring an accusation. And in verse 6, Jesus answers and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, full well you reject the commandment of God that you might keep your own traditions. Again, what's he saying? They're counterfeit. They look like on the outside, with their lips they draw near, but inwardly they are far from Him. They're more interested in keeping up appearances and preferences than they are the commandment of God. So, they're counterfeits. They access the flock, not through the door, but they climb over. Now we're going to see in a minute, Jesus goes through the door and actually what that means. He's condemning, again, condemning the Pharisees. Number one, they're blind. Number two, they're counterfeit. Number three, they are dangerous. They're dangerous. John chapter 10, verse 1, he says, they are thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers. Remember what we said out of Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. In other words, they come to you looking like prophets, but what they really want to do is to devour you. Now I say this and, and, and really want to emphasize this just to drive home the point. Jesus thought false religion was detrimental to people, to a sheep. To be in error, to be under the leadership of a false shepherd wasn't just an unfortunate event, it was a devastating event for the sheep. says they want to devour you. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this about 
the Pharisees and as it were the false shepherds of Israel. Luke chapter 11, verse 52. He says, Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. You've taken away the key of knowledge. What does that mean? Well, I think it applies back to, and if you, if you keep reading, I think you can see this, but it, it applies back to this, you, you exalt the traditions of men over the Word of God. They took away the key of knowledge whenever the authority of Scripture ceased to be authoritative. It was what they said that went. It wasn't, wasn't what the Bible said. It was what they thought about the Bible or it was what they said even if it, even if it opposed what the Bible had to say. Now, we could spend a whole lot of time this morning going through different religions and false religions that would, um, that would fit into this. One that is just blatantly obvious to where the system that is set up is you don't go directly to God. You go uh, through Christ. You go through a man to Christ, to God, where the Word of God is not authoritative, but it can be changed and it can be manipulated based on what the leadership has to say. And that would be the Catholic Church. You've taken away the key of knowledge. What does that mean? It means that you've taken the authoritative Scripture and you've devalued it and it's become second place to some man. Now, we're talking about a system there. Really, any church can fall into this sort of a system whenever the pastor has a strong personality and the people know very little about Scripture and put a ton of confidence in a man and take whatever he says as gospel. What a motivation to be more of a Berean. I'm not just talking about some people way out there. I'm talking about even myself. You should not take what I say hook, line, and sinker. If it does not and cannot be backed up by the authority of Scripture... You, sh- you have no obligation to affirm it. And you have every obligation to God to correct it. Okay? They were in bad shape here. It was dangerous. And then Mark chapter 12, Jesus talks about, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but... Well, yeah, I will turn there, sorry. Mark chapter 12... Verse 38 says, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feast, 
which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. They're dangerous. Why? Because they're in the ministry to prop themselves up. They're not interested in God's glory. They're interested in using God to prop up their own glory. They're they're not interested in um, um, true holiness that is pure and undefiled. They're interested in a holiness that will give them a platform so that they're able to take advantage of the people for their own gain. And so when Jesus begins this John chapter 10, and he'll come back to it, you know, he'll come back to this illustration as far as the good shepherd comes to give the abundant life, but the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Okay, he's not talking about Satan in context, he's talking about religious leaders. Now, Satan is the motivating factor behind that. So the religious leaders here, or the shepherds of Israel, are being condemned. That's what John chapter 10 is really all about. And then we're going to see next that Jesus, starting in verse 2, is going to show that He is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. Let me just give you a couple of passages on that. I'm not going to spend almost any time this morning looking at that because I want it to all be together. But He condemns them. They're the ones that climb up some other way. They are the thieves and the robbers. But He says in verse 2, He that cometh in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is saying to them, I'm the long-awaited fulfillment of what God's people have been looking for in the Old Testament. Look in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10 says, Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with His arm and carry them in His bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young." In Isaiah's prophecy here, he's prophesying of a time in the future when this would happen. When the Lord would come and He would feed His flock like a shepherd. He would gather His lambs in His arms. He would carry them. He would gently lead them. Jesus comes along in John chapter 10 and He says, I'm here. Isaiah 40 is being fulfilled now. I'm the shepherd of Israel that God prophesied of then. Or we could go back to the Jeremiah and Ezekiel passage. Go back to Jeremiah 23. 
Jeremiah 23. Uh, We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Earlier, during the condemnation side, we looked at verses 1 and 2. After he pronounces condemnation, in verse 3 he says, And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries whether I have driven them, and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. I'm going to bring my people back. They'll be fruitful. And I will set up shepherds. Now, that's a shepherd's plural, and we're going to talk about how that relates to Christ being the good shepherd. And then look in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 34, after he goes ten verses condemning the shepherds of Israel. Ezekiel 34, verse 11, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I... Even I will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and will bring them to their own land, and will feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Now again, you could draw a line in your Bible if the if you still had a long scroll directly from John 10 to Ezekiel 34. Uh, the same themes really are being unfolded. He says, I'm going to come. I'm going to shepherd my people. You know, one of the necessary things that every pastor, every leader of God's flock has to keep in mind and operate based off of, these are not my sheep. You don't belong to me. You belong to God. He's your shepherd. Now, how do shepherds, pastors come into play in light of this? Well, Jesus is that good shepherd who goes into the fold and He leads His people out and He leads them into green pasture or good pasture or salvation. But He's also the one that 
after he finished his work here and he ascended back to the Father, Ephesians chapter 4, he gave gifts to men. And those gifts were for the edification of the church. And one of those gifts is a pastor-teacher. So that I would be considered, and any other pastor would be considered a shepherd, but more of an under-shepherd. That is, we shepherd on behalf of the shepherd. Now, we could, we won't get to this this afternoon, but we could draw parallels and implications and applications on pastoral ministry based off of this, but as a shepherd, I cannot do anything to make you, to give you those ears to hear, those eyes to see, right? I can't do anything as it relates to that. You know what I can do? At least from the pulpit, I can determine whether or not you're hearing the voice of God, that is the words of God, or the words of Lewis. And I better be careful about what I say and how I present what I say. Why? Because he says out of Ezekiel chapter 34, I'm going to search out my sheep. I'm going to feed my sheep. I'm going to shepherd my sheep. I'm going to bind them. I'm going to care for them. And as under shepherds are called into ministry, we're called as ambassadors of Christ to join in God's agenda. Caring for God's sheep, God's way. You see, this was something the Pharisees had long forgotten. They had an idea of what holiness was supposed to look like. And funny enough, you know what it looked like? It looked like them. Isn't that convenient? And so when it came time for the people to live in a way that was pleasing to the Lord, that would keep them from going back into captivity, the Pharisees had decided, the more I can get you to be like me, the better off we'll all be. Isn't that convenient? Jesus comes along and says, you're an imposter. You're a counterfeit. You're blind and you're dangerous. But the good news to the people was that the good shepherd had come. And we'll look at that this afternoon. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for Your Spirit and just the understanding that You give us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, that you would bless us with a clear understanding of the realities that we've talked about this morning. I pray that we would be thankful uh, for the um, the shepherds that you have given us that were good and that were faithful. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us to be thankful for our good shepherd Jesus Christ. And as we'll look this afternoon, the one who is entered in and who has brought us out and who has given us life and who gives us life abundantly. Lord, we pray that You would continue to do Your work among Your people. That You would continue to lead us. That You would continue to feed us. That You would continue to protect us. And Father, I pray that we would be faithful to follow. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.